Hello, and welcome to a special edition episode of Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elchison, and with me today is Adam Simon, my co-host as always. Uh, And today we'll be talking about Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference that took place this week on, on Monday. Uh, so Adam, should we just dive straight into this? What were some of the major product announcements that Apple uh, said on their virtual stage uh, this week? Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest announcement and the one that the uh, the media is rightly focusing on is the the shift um, from uh, for for Max uh, moving to Apple mm-hmm. developed uh, silicon, um, which is something that had been rumored for a long time and we we sort of knew was coming. Um, this is. Uh, going to be awesome for for folks who use Macs. It's going to make them a lot faster. It's going to make battery life last a lot longer. It's going to mean that they can probably be in new, smaller, more sleek form factors uh, that that Intel chips really couldn't support. But uh, you know that's that's something that is has super long term implications. It also means that uh, mm-hmm. eventually i iPhone and iPad apps will also run natively on the Mac, um, which uh, definitely is indicating that Apple's entire ecosystem has been for a while, heading towards this uh, this realm of universal applications that run on every Apple device, mm-hmm. it certainly is yep. moving in that direction. So that's like the the big the big headline that I'm sure if right. you've seen anything, that's probably what you've seen. But there yeah. are a lot more. There were a lot more announcements that I think are, are maybe more relevant to uh, to our brands and our clients uh, that I, yep. I think we should we should touch on. So Adam, with that, let's just start with App Clips. Do you just want to give us a brief overview of what an app clip is? Because I think this is a super interesting uh, new way for you know people to discover apps and uh, and a way for brands to uh, you know further promote uh, some ease of use for our our users. Yeah, so app clips are tiny uh, little s- slices of an app um, that run independently. They don't require the user to download them in advance. Um, they can be triggered off of uh, a QR code, a new special app clip code, uh, NFC. They can also be triggered from the web with web banners. You can get them in messages. You can also find them mm-hmm. in, in maps. Um, but the idea here is of it's a single-use a single task, uh, little mini application. Um, so the examples that they gave that I think we all will be familiar with are, let's say you want to pay for parking at a parking garage or even at a parking meter. Um, you could use an app clip to uh, use Apple Pay to pay for that uh, transaction um, or to check out, uh, to pay your bill at a restaurant, for example. Maybe you mm-hmm. don't want to download the restaurant's app because you're only there once or twice a year, uh, but you can use the app clip to uh, complete that transaction. Um, so lots of like real world interactions uh, and potentially some some digital interactions as well. Yeah, I know. I was going to say to that point, what I would take away from all this is it's really focused. If you look at like a media and marketing funnel, it's really focused on like like those like lower funnel transactions, right? So checking out, purchasing, more of like those like utilitarian actions versus let's say some sort of like branded experience or anything like that. So it's really focused on that utility. Yeah, exactly. It's it's you want to accomplish something, you're not going to take the time to download and install an app, but you still want to do something like make a payment, which is going to be easier if you have the ability to do something like Apple Pay than say enter your credit card information into a website. Um, so right. it's it's a really lightweight way to do that. Um, they can they can 
uh, sort of promote the full app to you. So if you do, you can say use it to pay for uh, a parking garage, but then let's say it, it's an, a parking, your parking garage at work, you can use the, the app clip to, to complete that transaction very quickly and then later come back and download the app and it'll have your transaction history. It'll have your sign-in already set up inside the app. So it's a, also a nice sort of lightweight onboarding for apps that might have mm-hmm. a single use case and then hope to engage consumers over time. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think this is going to be really important, actually, uh, in our our current pandemic time, because uh, one yep. thing we've been talking about a lot is um, anything that can reduce your interaction with physical surfaces. So this has a lot of potential in the world of, let's say, eventually, I know this, I know there are other barriers to adoption here, but eventually being able to do something <laughs> like buy a Metro card um, or use a vending machine or even use an elevator where you're actually offloading the physical interface to your personal device. Um, this is a technology that would, would help with that. So you, you know, tap your phone to an NFC sticker on an elevator, and then you can select your floor or maybe even even better, select the from a list of companies or people that you are going to see. So you don't even have to know what floor you're going to, right? Like, right. Let's make Just the interface automatically as smart as you there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, I, and again, I think for brands too, like, again, this really focuses on like discovery. So if you are a brand with an app, again, like a big benefit for you is that this is a new way to get your app discovered uh, and have people use it. And then potentially, as you mentioned, Adam, uh, go and actually download it after the use if they find it um, super useful. So yeah, and I that's think great. This functionality, something similar has been available on Android for a couple of years now. It hasn't really taken off um, because uh, I think I, I think the hope now is that because both platforms support it in obviously in their mm-hmm. own native ways, maybe we will start to see adoption. Um, hopefully it is, of course, still a custom development uh, task for, for both right. platforms. So we'll see. Yeah, TBD. Additionally, in the world of discovery, Apple has announced some new things when it comes to uh, widgets as well as watch faces. So Adam, how is Apple making these things more shareable for consumers? Yeah, so um, the widgets uh, now on on the iPhone, you will be able to keep widgets on your home screen, mixing them in with the icons. It's the biggest redesign of the uh, iPhone home screen since the beginning. Um, again, this is something that and- I love it. Android has supported this for a while. Uh, but, uh, you know, on iOS, this means that uh, you will have these these widgets. So your app will be able to put information on, directly on users' home screens if they if they so uh, choose. Um, and there will be some machine learning that will surface that, uh, that content um, and rotate the widgets based on uh, the, the data data that they know consumers are looking for. It's important to note these aren't mini applications. Mm-hmm. They're not interactive. They're merely there to show display information. But if your app does have uh, that kind of relevant information that would be valuable, it's a new place uh, to, to put it and a new, a new way to remind them um, what your app can do and to, to drive them to the app. The watch faces mm-hmm. are a little different. Um, you know, the, the watch has been around for a long time. It is uh, seeing good adoption by consumers, but third-party apps haven't necessarily been as popular on the watch as they are obviously on the iPhone and also the iPad. Um, so the watch faces are, I think, an interesting way for brands to showcase uh, apps that they are developing on the watch um, in that it lets Apple, it lets users, it lets brands develop custom configurations for watch faces that show off how they might be useful for, uh, let's say, you know, outdoor mm-hmm. activities like surfing or hiking. 
um, or how they might be used best in uh, for work, how to show off your productivity app that might be useful on the watch. Um, you can imagine a lot of different, you could curate watch faces based on a lot of different activities and showcase those third-party apps. And the cool thing about these watch faces is they're shareable um, on websites, they're shareable on social media, um, and if a user wants to install them from, there's a one-click install, it'll also download the apps to the watch that it needs to support the complications on that watch face. So again, a, a great way to, to surface that watch content that hopefully will give the app ecosystem and app usage on the platform a little bit of a boost. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like the one theme I'm starting to see that, that, that kind of came out of WWDC, and I think we'll talk about this more later with what Apple is doing with cars, is that they're really leveraging messaging uh, and as a platform to share different content very well. Uh, they're making it so much easier to share applications, to share, uh, you know, digital keys uh, with your, you know, you know, Apple community, your your friends and family that, that are all on iPhone devices. Uh, and I mean, I just see this... Uh, ease of access, uh, just really revolutionizing how people are, you know, thinking about their phones. Yeah, messages. Apple is pretty clear that messages is the most used app on the phone, including first party and third party apps. So uh, it's a good place to add new features. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So let's move along here as there were is a lot more to discuss. Uh, So Apple has known to be a company that regards consumer privacy as one of their top priorities. Uh, So again, this year, we're seeing Apple double down on their privacy. Uh, So Adam, what has Apple announced uh, to, again, continue to lock down the type of data that is actually given off uh, a person's phone or even, you know, MacBook? The first is uh, that on the Mac, uh, Safari on the Mac, which definitely has a relatively small share of web browser um, market share, um, but they are they're launching this uh, privacy report, which will show on a website to website basis, and then also in a weekly report that works sort of like your your screen time reports. Um, it'll show mm-hmm. uh, which trackers have been blocked by Safari. Um, and, uh, and again, it'll resurface that weekly right now. This is just on the Mac. It probably will come to iOS. Uh, my guess is next year. Um, this is not necessarily a change in the, um, intelligent tracking prevention that they have launched uh, a couple of years ago, but it is a way to surface it more to consumers, um, because, uh, consumers might not be aware of how Safari is blocking, uh, those, those trackers. And, uh, this will surface that directly to consumers. So you can expect consumers will have a Mm -hmm. a better, uh, if they're using Safari on the Mac, will have a better sense as to, um, what, you know, what trackers and analytics are being carried website to website. And so in the spirit of making data more transparent, uh, one of my favorite announcements out of this, this idea of data nutrition labels, uh, that'll be on all the different apps in the app store. So this will actually highlight and tell users uh, what type of data is being collected and how it's being used. Uh, so I, I like it because it makes it very tangible. I think, you know, data transparency and this idea of like this digital footprint, people just don't quite grasp because it is something that like that's not physical uh so i I really like this as a way to kind of show and put some you know something that's tangible into the user's hands to say oh this is what this app is collecting and here's what they're using it for uh to make you know just more uh data transparency and people uh more aware of how their information is being collected and used yeah, I think this is Apple giving brands and developers a chance to proactively communicate about their their in a more transparent way about their use of data, mm-hmm. um, and this is all self reported. So um, I think it's a good right. opportunity to get on get ahead of some of those questions that consumers might have. 
Right. Absolutely. Uh, and then lastly, they announced some uh, really interesting updates to how location is shared. So instead of showing just your precise location, they now have a feature called approximate location, which will give uh, an application that is looking to use your location data uh, an approximate location of where you're at. So maybe that's within like 100 feet, 100 yards. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if they defined what that radius is. Uh, on the keynote. Adam, do you know? I don't think they gave a specific radius, but I think it's even bigger than 100 yards. I think it's more at the neighborhood level. Um, it, this is really mm. designed as a response to some st- some things that surfaced last year around how certain weather apps in particular, which obviously need to use your location to give you a weather forecast, were then reselling that location into, um, into ad markets. Um, and that, you know, this isn't preventing them from doing that, but it is keeping you a little more anonymous. So it's not uh, them selling, mm-hmm. let's say, your your home address or your work address, uh, or, you know, <laughs> into those marketplaces. It's more at the neighborhood level, which obviously is a little more private. And- sure. With, do you want to move into mobility with maps and, and CarPlay? Sure. All right, let's do it. Uh, so first up, they have expanded new maps uh, and they have EV routing, uh, which is really exciting because they're going to try to eliminate range anxiety by telling you how far your car can go, uh, routing you to an actual charging location that fits your type of EV vehicle uh, as a way to really you know help you take road trips in EVs. I thought that was super cool and super uh, you know innovative. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I think it's uh, it's very cool. Obviously, we have to wait and see how accurate it is. Right now, they're only working with right. BMW and Ford um, on integrating that into their their estimates. Um, but eventually, obviously, this is something that that everybody who has an EV would want. Um, the other mm-hmm. cool uh, um, update to directions is that they are finally adding adding cycling directions, huge, um, huge, which is something that Google Maps has had for a long time. Um, and uh, I think Apple's implementation is really awesome because it will um, actually advise you around things like how busy the roads you're riding on are. So you can choose a route. If you're not comfortable riding on busy roads with lots of cars, you can choose a route that is less lower traffic. Um, and it does that mm-hmm. according to time of day uh, as well. Um, and then it'll also give you the option for like, if you're okay in, let's say a city like San Francisco, um, hopping off your bike and carrying it up the stairs uh, on, on the street, um, it'll allow you to, to either opt in or opt out of things like that, where you might have to hop off your bike for a little while, but it might be faster. Um, so, so Adam, I'll your bike up some stairs. Uh, what is Apple doing with travel guides? Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting that they're now kind of announcing some content that'll be living in the actual maps environment. Yeah, so they have uh, partnered with um, a few brands, the ones that they called out specifically are uh, Louis Vuitton, Zagat, and All Trails uh, to provide... Um, travel and uh, travel content inside of uh, maps. Um, so all trails obviously focused on, uh, on hiking, uh, Zagat focused on dining and Louis Vuitton focused on sort of city guide content. Um, and that content is going to show up uh, directly inside of maps. So it shows up in search um, and it shows up when you're browsing, um, looking for, uh, for restaurants, for shops uh, in your local area. Um, and this is a, a little bit of a shift um, because they haven't really had uh, editorial content in maps before, um, but possibly an opportunity mm-hmm. for other brands who have relevant editorial content to be featured uh, in the future. This is another example, I think, of, of brands like Louis Vuitton getting inside the uh, the Apple paywall, uh, able to reach those Apple customers when they are might be less exposed to traditional forms of advertising. 
Yeah, absolutely. Super interesting. And again, this idea of this like curated content, I think is always a, a, a really powerful way for uh, brands to kind of get into, like I said, the environment able or where brands are no longer able to actually advertise. Um, but with that, let's just move on to uh, CarPlay uh, and CarKey. The cars, um, they announced uh, some updates to the kinds of apps that are allowed um, in CarPlay, which is of, of course the interface that you use for your phone in your dashboard while you're driving. Um, apps for, for EV charging, to find EV charging locations, that's awesome. Parking apps, that's awesome. Uh, but I think the one that actually is surprising uh, and has potentially huge implications for for some of our brands are uh, quick ordering food apps. So you can actually now use an app, uh, an iOS app in your dashboard to uh, pre-order food while you're on the road, um, which sounds awesome for a road That's trip. super cool. You can pre-order and yeah. as you're pulling up, uh, your food is ready. This is how it's pronounced. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, there's a company called Zevo that is actually uh, doing this you know, today uh, outside of CarPlay, uh, but it'll be cool to see that this is one more environment that you can actually have that transaction be placed while somebody is in the car, knowing that, again, people want to have this idea of contactless you know, delivery contact us like pickup uh it's a great way to kind of you know allow people to order your product uh in a time when people don't want to be in in an actual retail environment uh and all straight from your car i think it's great yeah i know there's definitely been times when i have been driving on a long road trip and wished i could have ordered a coffee and just had it waiting for me as i drove up and uh, Mm -hmm. i was announcing so Aside from the support for our, the new CarPlay support, uh, Apple has announced CarKey, which will allow iPhone to unlock and start cars. This is, I think, one of the most incredible uh, announcements. So, Adam, how, how does this work? Uh, can you give some details on this? Yeah, so it... it- this is part of Apple's quest. An interesting way to look at what Apple features Apple adds to the iPhone is that over time, they want your phone and eventually your Apple Watch to be the only thing you need to carry when you leave the house. Um, so that's what Apple Wallet... I'm on board with that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it is what it. we want. I'm, that would be perfect. <laughs> like Apple Wallet is obviously there to replace your wallet with, with Apple Pay. Um, and they are also working on getting identification into Apple Wallet, which... is another thing that it's crazy to me that we don't have yet, like digital driver's licenses. Um, But um, the, you can use your, you can use apps and and home kit to uh, unlock your door um, using your, your phone or your watch uh, for your, for your home or your apartment. And so this is really bringing that same kind of functionality. Uh, It it sounds, it might sound a little trivial because most modern cars these days have wireless key fobs that unlock the car, um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe you have to push a button, but maybe it also, the, the newer ones just unlock the car as you walk up to them. You definitely don't have to stick a key in an ignition. You just hit a button. Um, so this seems like this, this is actually building on that, but it's trying to do it in a more secure way. There are a lot of factors that change when you go from a proprietary key fob to your mobile device. Um, for example, you could somebody, I was listening to a podcast last night where they were talking about the fact that if it was just doing Uh, Bluetooth authentication, there are ways for people to use Bluetooth repeaters. So you could be sitting in a restaurant, Mm -hmm. someone could use a Bluetooth repeater uh, or two to get to your car, unlock your car and drive away, right? So like, we don't want it to be using Bluetooth. (laughs) um, It it will fall back to NFC um, to use the same NFC chip that Apple Pay does, Mm -hmm. um, which is what they're launching in the BMW 5 Series 
uh, this summer, um, where you actually have to tap your phone to the door handle, and then you have to put your phone in the charging cradle in order to start the car. But what they have said is that in the future, it will start in, in other vehicles, it will start to use the um, Apple's U1 ultra wideband chip, which was introduced in the iPhone 11. Um, and this will work, will allow it to work at a distance, but in a secure way. So you can keep your phone in your pocket or your purse and just walk up to the car and it'll know that it's you. It'll know that you're near it. It'll, it'll work more like those key fobs work, um, but in a secure way that right. uses your phone or your watch. Um, and I think the, the, and this is going to be awesome. Again, it's multi-year quest to eliminate uh, needing anything but your phone when you leave the house. But uh, I think the other interesting thing is that this, what they're they're planning with the U1 chip um, to for car key is also available for other developers using what they call the nearby interactions framework. Um, and this is a new. It's a little similar to what they had been doing with iBeacon back in the day, um, but it is uh, more secure using ultra wideband. It's more accurate. We can tell the direction you're pointed in um, than, than Bluetooth ever was. Um, and so the, some examples that they gave for how you might use this is uh, using it in augmented reality to be able to uh, place virtual objects more accurately. Here's one that I think everyone will resonate with everyone. In a future version of a rideshare app, such as Uber or Lyft, uh, your driver, if you both have supported devices, will be able to know exactly who you are because the app can literally point at you for the driver. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that is, uh, I think, a, a practical real-world example of how it might work. Right. Certainly useful in co other customer service-facing uh, applications. You could imagine the same thing working at retail uh, as well. So, Interesting mm -hmm. new development. Again, this is like a long-term investment that I will pay off over years. Um, but I think it, it points to where things are, are going in the mobility space, but also just in how Apple is bridging the, mm -hmm. the physical and digital together. Yeah, absolutely. And the only other thing I would add to that is that uh, with the car key, you can actually share and set preferences, yeah. uh, your key to other users, which blew my mind. That was, I think, I thought that was the wildest thing ever is that somebody could text me their key to their car. I could open it and start it and drive away. Uh, and then maybe after 24 hours, whatever, my trip's over, it expires, and I can't get back in their car. That yep. to me is just an absolute leap forward uh, in no, it's you know, awesome. you, car, car technology. <laughs> you can also let people just unlock the car. So if somebody needs to get something out of your car or leave something in your car for you, you can allow them just access to lock or unlock but not actually drive, which is pretty pretty interesting. When you think of that's things yeah, like... That's like, amazing. Um, it's very similar to when you think of things like Amazon Key, which lets Amazon deliver packages yep. into your your car trunk. Um, this is a similar would enable a similar kind of thing for for other other platforms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So this might actually make me get a car. Uh, uh, the BMW that, 5 Series cool. starts at a hundred thousand dollars. So start saving. <laughs> All right, uh, Adam, I need a bonus uh, or a raise. Uh, or something, because <laughs> I'm nowhere near that. Uh, anyways, moving on. So what else we got here to talk about? Um, Apple uh, has updated like the podcast app and now comes with 
Oh, it, it is for you. Uh, so it has a now a, a for you section uh, that will just recommend new episodes uh, for you to listen to. So it kind of creates a little queue for you. Uh, so like that's super exciting. But I think we're still going to be waiting to see uh, if there are any other, any other additional updates throughout the week uh, as WWC continues. But as of right now, uh, the biggest update is that like they're looking to curate some more you know recommendation to make discovery of new podcasts easier to kind of grow listenership uh, and kind of tackle like those two main challenges of you know one discovery uh, and two search of of podcasts that continues to plague. Uh, the entire ecosystem. So uh, super exciting there. Glad that they're putting some focus on it, but it doesn't seem like they're putting enough focus on podcasts. It seems like they're still pretty okay with podcasts just being there and letting Spotify and other people in the ecosystem uh, really start to make developments and innovations on what podcasting is from both a technology standpoint, but also that listener behavior uh, standpoint. So We'll see. It's the biggest question. uh, Will Apple ever jump in? I was really hoping for some updates on the podcast production side, some some updates to their production tools and and promotion and management of of feeds. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) Yep. TBD. Um, And I mean... As a podcaster that has a sleep podcast, I love the new wind down feature for iOS. Uh, it was kind of funny. I was actually in the process of making a wind down shortcut, uh, <laughs> but I don't think I need that anymore, which is sad. <laughs> uh, but what they've announced uh, is that you know on iOS 14, uh, you will have the ability to have a wind down session. So it's all about sleep and mental health. Uh, so before you go to bed, you can kind of engage uh, the wind down functionality, and it will you know maybe turn your phone to do not disturb it'll put up some calming music or a playlist uh, or a podcast like t's and z's uh and it kind of helps you kind of get your technology into a mode that's more you know quiet and helping you uh get to sleep because as i think people know uh staring at a screen until four o'clock in the morning is probably not the best way to uh get some good sleep yeah a wind down is interesting because it is um, adding on to some of the other do not disturb and and bedtime features that they've had before they are also adding sleep tracking uh, to the Apple watch this year uh, but wind down isn't an opportunity for if if your brand has uh, sleep or calming related content um, you can actually proactively suggest it uh, inside of wind down um, so they they showed off mm-hmm. calm meditation they showed off uh, a podcast actually a sleep podcast that unfortunately was not T's and was it mine <laughs> i know it was get sleepy but hey that's fine <laughs> there are they're they're only doing nine hundred thousand more downloads a month than i do <laughs> so it's whatever uh long-running romance with sleep uh, continues basically <laughs> and moving on from sleep um notably uh AR wasn't that uh, talked about on stage. Uh, Apple announced some new innovations around AR kit with location anchors. Uh, but other than that, didn't see much conversation. So Adam, I guess what's going on with Apple uh, and AR? Yeah, it's they had been really hammering on AR 
for developers, especially for uh, for the past couple of years at WWDC. Um, there are still improvements happening behind the scenes to ARKit. As you mentioned, location anchors, so the ability to pin content to a specific GPS so that other users can... can. I think, you know, there, even more importantly, we know that the long-term ambition for Apple's AR projects is really glasses, is a wearable device that lets you see AR mm-hmm. in, in the real world, in the natural world, without having to pull out your phone and look through, you know, a little frame. Um, and I think there are other things, if you read the tea leaves that they announced that are uh, actually foundational for that experience. I think app clips are a much closer paradigm for how we're going to interact with applications and third-party services using AR glasses. You're not going to have, uh, you know, the, the the Yelp app running all the time on your glasses. Instead, you're going to, you know, maybe ask Yelp uh, for the restaurant reviews for a restaurant as, the, as you're walking by it on the mm-hmm. street. Um, and app clips, I think, right. are the, the right kind of experience for that. The um, nearby interactions from the U1 chip, that seems like something that could be very useful uh, in AR as well. The sense as to which which devices and other people and other products you are near in the world um, and be able to pull up interactions with them. And one thing we didn't talk about that they also uh, announced was um, positional audio for AirPods Pro, which is, again, something that will enhance an AR experience by allowing the audio to track with your head when you move your head around, because, of course, you're you're wearing all of the devices now instead of looking at a stationary screen and a stationary set of speakers. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's uh, a lot of development. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not 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 a lot it's, on stage. And even though there were no AR announcements on, directly on stage, I think what we're seeing is them. They had been very focused on the visual part of AR, which of course is important. But I think that they are right. starting to lay the groundwork for some of the other components that are going to be necessary for a glasses product to work. Um, and I think that that to me that is suggests that they're they're getting closer uh, to release. I think we're still a couple of right. years away, um, but I think they're getting closer. Well, with that, I do want to round out this conversation uh, on the production. Uh, so, kind of speaking about AR, right? So this was obviously all pre-recorded. Um, really interesting WWDC this year, I would say. It was they packed a lot of content into a shorter amount of time. Uh, it was very high quality, you know, like, like 4K uh, stream that was put out there. Um, so do you think this is something that they're going to continue going forward? You know, it's super accessible to everybody around the world. Uh, they're able to get in everything perfectly in a sense, right? Because it's not live. So they can they can re-record, they can recut, they can edit. Um, so so what, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I think there have been uh, a couple of different takes on... The production quality, obviously, it was a super polished uh, production, as you said. Uh, and I think some people are reacting negatively to that. Some people are reacting positively to that. I think at, at the end of the day, um, these keynotes have, especially post-Steve Jobs, these keynotes have become uh, more and more uh, commercials for their products. And I think that this right. is the ultimate, um, by pre-recording everything, they've turned it into the ultimate, uh, commercial. It's a two hour long commercial that I don't think we'll ever know exactly how many people watched it, but I bet you a whole lot of them, a lot of people watched it. Um, and I think that, uh, this is just an admission that that's what, that's the purpose uh, of these keynotes. And, uh, so yeah, I, I, my guess is that fast forward, two years from now, let's just say to be safe, uh, the WWDC will 
probably have a keynote that is still pre-recorded like this, even if the actual sessions that come after this where the, the uh, Apple engineers talk through all of the new frameworks and all the new features for developers, those will probably still be live, but I think these keynotes might may remain recorded even when we do go back to in-person conferences mm -hmm. again. Absolutely. And, you know, to that point, it was very nice for them to end the entire uh, keynote session um, section. They uh, did proper social uh and took the proper health uh, requirements and standards in order to make all of this happen. Acknowledgement of, um, you know, putting this together uh, in a very safe uh, and friendly manner. Yeah, it was kind of the 2020 you know, equivalent of no animals were harmed in the, in this, in the shooting of this production. Um, right. I think as Hollywood, <laughs> you know, just starts to go back to uh, filming again. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see if anybody else uh, adopts that kind of here are the safety precautions we took in uh, shooting this, mm -hmm. uh, especially as we maybe start to use things like uh, CGI and, and visual effects to maybe simulate uh, people being together when they might not actually be. Well, that about wraps up all the big announcements from this year's WWDC. Um, Adam, is there anything else that maybe we, we missed? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure there is a, a ton that we missed. Um, there are so many announcements <laughs> that tend to trickle out uh, over the course of the week as they go into these uh, deeper dive developer sessions. WWDC is one of the longest conferences in tech. It runs five days, uh, and normally five full days of programming. So. Uh, there's always more, uh, but, um, but we will obviously keep on top of that. If anything super notable comes up, we'll mention it here. We'll mention it in our newsletters and in our blog. Um, so, you know, we, we always have your back on this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's anything that we talked about that you want to hear more about, uh, feel free to reach out to us You can, on Twitter, email us, whatever works easiest for you works for us uh, we're happy to talk more about this uh, this episode's probably going to be about 40 minutes and we would like it to be an hour and a half maybe two so uh, whoever wants to talk to us please let us know we are here and available so uh, with that everybody thank you so much uh, if there are any questions let us know and we'll uh, we'll talk soon